Amen. Praise God. Right, it's good to uh, see you all here this morning. One of the things we used to do um, in the times when we could get uh, all together, and do you remember when most of the seats in this place were filled with all of those of you who are watching at home probably, one of the things we used to do is we used to say, can we just spend a few moments saying, hi, good morning, the Lord bless you, it's great to see you, and there was like a bit of movement and stuff around. Well, we're going to do that now, but we're going to do that in a um, COVID-friendly way. So I'd just like you to stand up, and I'd like you to elbow towards people. So can we just have a bit of elbow movement? Just stand up, look around. So it's good to know who you're worshipping. If you're at home, turn to somebody that you're sat with. If you're on your own, then elbow out to yourself. Just good. That's it. Recognising the body. This is one of the things that has um, come very, very, very clear to us. You can all sit back down again now once you've elbowed out. Um, is there are certain things that most people are missing about how we as a church gather week by week. And in a recent Leaders Away Day, the, the priority things that were most missed were fellowship, connecting one with another, recognizing that we are the body of Christ, that we're not uh, just individuals who are saved by God's grace and his goodness, but we are then adopted into a family that were part of something that uh, God has called the church, the ecclesia, the gathered people who honor and glorify God. So the first thing that people said, you know, the one thing that we miss big time is gathering together. The second thing that was prioritized as uh, being missed was corporate worship. Being able to worship together, to sing together, to raise our hands together, to worship and I know that the bottom line is we can worship anywhere and worship doesn't have to be singing. Um, but, oh my goodness, how people are missing coming together and lifting our voices. And that first Sunday that we may come back together and sing, I'm just so excited about the fact that we might have to put a new roof on this building because I'm sure that voices are going to be raised and we're going to be passionately worshipping Jesus. So those are things that, you know, it's the fellowship and the worship. And one of the things that um, we decided as a leadership team was that we're going to look at how we operate as church. And is there some tweaks and changes that uh, God might be calling us into to make us more effective as the body of Christ here where we are on Brighton Hill at uh, Basingstoke Baptist Church. And I found myself reading the book of Jonah. I don't know if you've read Jonah, um, maybe not recently. You see, the moment that I say Jonah, you think instantly of a fish, and there's a fish in it, and it's, it's a very uh, significant part in it. But there's a message in the book of Jonah. There's only four chapters in the book of Jonah, and we're going to look at those over the next few weeks. But there's something I believe that God has got to say to us through this book that would, um, I believe, is going to change the way that we are as the church right here on Gershwin Road. So let's have a read of Jonah uh, chapter 1. So the words are going to appear, I'll flick through as um, I read these to you. The first part, Jonah chapter 1 verses 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Let's put it on the screen for you. 
I keep pressing the button there. Now, did I do that, Mark, or was it you? It was me. I have the power. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah, uh, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard, sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Verse 5, all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went down to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up, call upon your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew that he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up. Throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. O Lord, have done as you pleased. We're going to get there. Mark, flick it over. See if you can move it on. There you go. Then they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered... (laughs) Thanks again, buddy. (laughs) And they offered uh, a sacrifice to the Lord, made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. We know that story. You've heard it many, many times before, I am sure. Here we have a prophet, one who speaks God's word to people. One who's been set aside as one who is to be a clarion call to draw the saints, as it were, those who are called of God, into a deeper intimacy with God. And for those who are on the outside... To make them aware that there is a God in heaven who is worthy of honour and praise. So, thanks buddy. Jonah, the prophet, is set apart. The wickedness of Nineveh has come upon the Lord and God is saying, right, I'm sending my messenger. Check out this, uh... oh here we go. 
little map, just in case you don't know where Nineveh is. So if you go to the, you know, the bottom left-hand side, you've got Israel is over there on the side of the Mediterranean. And then if you go up and across in the top right corner of Iraq, you've got Mosul. We know Mosul because that's been in the news over recent years um, as it was taken over by ISIS and the wars that have gone on there. Well, on the edge of Mosul is Nineveh. So Nineveh is right up there in the top corner of Iraq. And you see, the situation is this, that Jonah is to go from his home, he's meant to go east and head up to Nineveh. But he doesn't. He goes west down to Joppa and heads off to a place um, called Tarshish. Check out, I mean, you may have picked up uh, that there was a lot of stuff going on um, in Iraq, in the Mosul area. This is um, the tomb of Jonah. Now, there's no record of any parts of, to- uh, of Jonah being held in this tomb in Mosul. The, there is uh, talk about the fact that there was a bone from the fish, but whether it was uh, a true bone from the fish that brought uh, Jonah back to fulfill his calling, we don't really know. But the bottom line is that the association with Jonah and the Christian faith was a focus for ISIS to destroy uh, this uh, amazing temple or, or tomb. And that's the way it is. It used to be in the top of the picture and the way that it is now after the destructions in the bottom but here's the, the uh, key. We've got Jonah meant to be heading to Nineveh, but he heads instead down to Joppa, gets on a boat, and now he's going to the farthest place that he can go. And Tarshish is right over past Gibraltar and the, the southern tip of Spain. And in those days, it was probably the furthest place that you could go, really. Let's get out and go as far as we possibly can. So there we have Jonah. He's on a journey. But I love the way it all starts off. I love the way that it starts off by saying, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now the thing about it is, he's the son of Amittai. Amittai, as a, in its Hebrew roots, as a name, means faithful one. So you've got Jonah, son of the faithful one who's being totally unfaithful and doing the total opposite that God is calling him to do. So we have the son of a faithful one being unfaithful and heading now in the opposite direction to where he was meant to be going. Why did he decide to go in the opposite direction? The question comes up, why would he turn things around and head in the opposite direction way to what the Lord Almighty was saying, you know, Jonah, this is where I want you to go. Well, one of the things that we can find out is something about what was going on in Nineveh. And there's a lovely uh, Old Testament prophet that you can look up called Nahum. And if you look at the book of Nahum, you read these words in Nahum chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. It says, woe to the city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder. 
never without victims. The crack of whips, the clatter of wheels, galloping horses and jolting chariots, charging cavalry, flashing swords, glittering spears, many casualties, piles of dead, bodies without number, people stumbling over the corpses, all because of the wanton lust of a harlot alluring the mistress of sorceresses who enslave nations by her prostitution and peoples by her witchcraft. Naaman is talking about Nineveh. So when Jonah gets a call, go to Nineveh, he may have had this thought, oh my word, this is a, a big place. This is a place where the Lord is not honoured in any way, shape or form. It's a violent place. There's a good chance that me going in as a representative of the Lord Almighty, I'm, I'm not going to last very long. So I think I'm going to go in the opposite direction. And I suppose for each and every one of us, we would say, yeah, I would probably do the same thing. I was reading one commentary regarding this uh, text that talked about uh, Jonah going to the Assyrians would be like, well, let's give the illustration. It would be like a Jew in London in the beginning of the, uh, just before the beginning of the Second World War, being told, you need to go to Berlin and tell the Nazi leaders to repent. And there would be no surprise if that individual decided, you know, heading to Berlin is not what I feel I should be doing. I think I can go down to Plymouth, jump on a boat, and just head over to New York. Let's, let's just go away from things. So Jonah is given a challenge. Go this way. You've got to turn things around. But he decides that maybe there is something else he can do. He knows what he's called to do is to preach the word. Reveal the Lord to these people who are far from God. Which sounds very similar to the call on each and every one of us. Only a few weeks ago we ran through a little series looking at the Great Commission. And each of us are commissioned empowered, released. We are told to go into all nations, making disciples. And just like, I think, Jonah, who is a, a little bit um, unhappy about the call of his life to head towards Nineveh, we may be finding ourselves in that same situation where we are disobedient to that call over our lives. So let's not give Jonah a hard time because... Something of Jonah's response may very well be exactly our response in how we're reaching out to the people around us. So he heads down to Joppa. And he's heading down that way because he feels that uh, the best thing I can do is to run away from God. It's my call, as it were, to look after myself and uh, get a move on in the opposite direction. But you see, if he had looked in the book of Psalms, he would have come across these words. It says in Psalm 139, 
Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. You can't escape the presence of God. And there may be different circumstances and situations that have come into effect that have seemed to have made it easy for Jonah to be disobedient. But that doesn't mean that God's in everything that it seems to be fitting together perfectly. It seems that he has the money to be able to pay his fare on the boat. Just because we've got the resources doesn't mean that God is giving us a green light to do with those resources what we want to do. It's an impulse thing. Sometimes we think to ourselves, you know, I need to do this. I'm going to respond in this way. Or or this door has opened and I'm going to go through it. For Jonah, a door has opened. He can move down to Joppa, he can get on a boat, the boat's headed in exactly the right place, as far away from Nineveh as possible. Yet it's not God's will. He had the resources. The right people were there at the right time, in the right place. But that doesn't mean that it's right. When we seek out what is it God is calling us to do, I think those spontaneous instant moments of just doing something are quite dangerous. God has given us the body of Christ as well as his word that we can spend time in his presence. We can discern together what are you calling us to do. This is what the leadership team here are doing. We're spending time, we're asking the Lord, how are we to respond as a church as we come out of this uh, current lockdown time how are we to be as the church as we move into the future so Jonah's on the boat he's headed in the wrong direction and this storm appears the storm comes a violent storm rises up so that the ship is threatened all the sailors it says are afraid there is fear and such is the fear that saving themselves is a priority so they start chucking stuff overboard but not only do they chuck stuff overboard but they start to call upon their gods to deal with this situation it's amazing how um, religious spiritual you come the moment that something becomes uh, devastating or, or a challenge around you I don't know whether any of you were watching this, uh, the news yesterday or the football yesterday afternoon. And in the football game between uh, Denmark and Finland, there was a sad situation where a, a young football player, 29-year-old called Christian Eriksson, uh, collapses. And as he collapses, the team start to gather around because they realise that this is quite serious. And then the medics come on the pitch to look after him. And there's a point where you can see uh, um, chest compressions happening for this guy. And then he's being taken off on a stretcher and heading off to hospital. Praise God that he is okay. And uh, he's communicating and he's in hospital at this moment, recovering from that traumatic situation. But I have Twitter on my phone. 
and Twitter um, highlights to me when messages are coming through and uh, suddenly my phone is getting really quite uh, uh, agitated and I'm looking through the Twitter messages and there's people that I follow that I don't believe have a personal faith in God who are sending messages to the team over who are playing as well as to the family of, of Christian Erickson and they're saying we are praying for you we're praying for you we are praying for you we are praying for you on our decking or we haven't got decking patio on our patio at the manse yesterday carol and i are there and and we stopped and carol led a time just just praying over this situation and for this guy but in the midst of difficulties even those who are not spiritual even those who are not religious suddenly get spiritual and religious and calling upon God. But you see, whilst the sailors on the boat had shifted a load of cargo to make the boat a bit lighter and had been calling upon their God, the question is, where is Jonah? And the bottom line is, as we know, is that Jonah is down in the depths of the, beat, of the boat. It says in verse 5, Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. As the storm rages, Jonah sleeps. And we ask ourselves the question, how could he sleep in the middle of the storm? Well, maybe the storm that was happening physically wasn't as bad as what was happening on his relationship with the Lord situation. He knows what's going on with his relationship with the Lord. And that's pretty awful as he's running in the opposite direction. And what's a few waves and a bit of wind compared to that? Being disobedient to the Lord Almighty. Having to uh, do a bit of uh, tummy holding in the midst of a storm. That's, That's nothing. So Jonah sleeps. He sleeps. And people are getting a little bit concerned of the fact that he is sleeping but I've just spoken you know this this last week I've just been thinking about the whole situation of of Jonah sleeping in the midst of a storm we certainly know that Jesus slept in the back of a boat in the middle of a storm but Jonah's not Jesus and then I'm sort of reflecting upon what goes on or what's going on in Jonah's life and how that might project upon our life as individuals and as a church you see Jonah slept in a place where he hoped no one would see him or disturb him in the depths of the boat and I believe that Christians very often sleep they hide out in a place where hopefully they're not going to get noticed and that place is called the church I can sleep at church Jonah slept in a place where he could not um, help with the work that needed to be done. The guys upstairs were interceding. The guys upstairs were chucking stuff over. And he was down in the depths and he couldn't get involved at all. And sleeping Christians are exactly the same. They're the ones who stay away from the work of the Lord. Where there's opportunities to serve. Where there's opportunities to put all hands on deck. They're the ones who aren't around. Jonah slept whilst there was a prayer meeting on. Sleeping Christians 
Don't attend prayer meetings. Should I mention our monthly prayer meeting? Second Wednesday of the month. Do you know, we couldn't make it any easier if we tried. Stay home. On your computer. Tune in. A Zoom uh, connection comes through to you and you can join with us. But sadly, so few do. Which makes me think uh, there are a lot of people, just like Jonah, who are asleep. Jonah slept, had no idea of the problems around him. And I think that's the same with Christians who are sleeping. You don't realize what's going on around us. We feel almost disconnected. We know that we have a God in heaven whose desire it is to have an intimate relationship with all of his creation. And the end result is if we don't pass that message on to people, then they have an eternity separated from God. And that eternity away from God is called a place called hell. But what's happening is that sleeping Christians have sort of disconnected themselves. Oh, it's not my job. It's nothing to do with me. But what if it is all to do with you? Sleeping Christians. Jonah slept and he was in great danger. And I think maybe the call on the church of Jesus Christ is to recognize that we're in great danger. There's nothing like a pandemic to strip away, to see what is the nuts and bolts, what is going on in the life of the Christian church. And the bottom line is, it's not looking that good. So maybe this is a brilliant opportunity to turn that around. Jonah slept whilst the lost needed him. And the lost need us. Let's not be sleeping. So then the story continues, and as the story continues, there is dialogue between Jonah and the sailors and the captain, and they're talking about what do we need to do, how do we need to do this, and even though uh, Jonah turns around and says, the, the bottom line is, um, you need to get rid of me. But there's this almost disconnect. They don't want to get rid of him because of who he is. This was what it says in the book of uh, uh, Two Kings. It says that he was uh, the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Laban Hamath to the Sea of Arabah in accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant Jonah, son of Mattai, the prophet from Garth Hefner. He's a prophet. This is a man of God. And there's this fear running through the ship that if we chuck this bloke overboard, then there's going to be a, a problem because God Almighty is going to be upset with the captain and the sailors in the ship and they're going to be devastated. But as you know, as the story goes on, uh, that is the only thing that they can do. Throw him over. Throw him over. Jonah talks about the fact that he's fearing the Lord. And his fear of the Lord is putting him into a place where he says, you know, I need to be removed from your situation where what's going on with me and the Lord doesn't impact you any longer. And so, at his request, he is thrown overboard. 
there's all sorts of things going on in this story. And even in this first chapter, there's far more that we can cover than uh, time will allow us today. But as you spend time in the book of Jonah, as I say, it's only a short period of time that you need because it's only four chapters. I want you to start asking yourself, Lord, what are you saying to me through this word? What are you saying to us as the church through this word? You see, what happens more often than not is we get caught up with the story of Jonah and find ourselves um, derailed by the fish episode. But how amazing, did you pick up on the news yesterday? There was a guy who was a lobster fisherman and he got swallowed by a whale. Do you see this on the news? So here we have him. There's this guy, Michael Packard, record how he had jumped off of his boat and uh, was 45 feet down and when he felt this huge bump, then everything went dark. Well, it would because he's just been swallowed by a whale. It's a story that's been spoken about as a myth. It's a story where people almost laugh at uh, the lack of probability that it would ever happen. And then yesterday, even before I come and bring this message today, we have somebody who's swallowed by a whale. Now, the thing about it is, in the book of Jonah, it talks about a big fish, not a whale. But we'll pick up on that next week when we start to look at what goes on in somebody's life when you're in the belly of a large fish. The thing that is pertinent here is that Jonah has recognized that he has to draw a line come to a place of repentance and turn around. His turning around, as we find in the text, so impacted the sailors on the boat that uh, they themselves cried out to the Lord. And when they had thrown him into the sea, the men who greatly feared the Lord, it says in verse 16, they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So how about that then, that even in the midst of this terrible situation, them acting and chucking Jonah overboard brought salvation to their boat. And Jonah is then set up on course to fulfill what he was meant to fulfill. The thing is, we get easily distracted. We can find in the book of Jonah that um, it's all about a fish. Well, it's not about a fish. Or we can find in our own lives, we get easily distracted. Something else comes along that we feel that we were going to do this for the Lord, and this is what the Lord has been saying, and then suddenly something else. It is a distraction. Let me show you. This is uh, Bruce. Now, Bruce uh, has moved into our house, and he's been there now for five weeks. He had his uh, uh, second vaccination on Friday, so now we can go out and about. But the thing about it is, uh, what's come home very, very clearly is that Bruce is a phenomenal gift of God in evangelizing dog walkers. Because everybody's got a dog who walks, stops and talks to you. Now, they used to walk past us when we used to just walk, 
But now we have our little distraction. And Bruce, I just believe, is going to be a, a mighty tool used of God as we're out and about and uh, sharing our life with Bruce, but maybe sharing something of our life with Jesus as well. Distractions. It's a disobedient prophet. It's a fish. No, the big story is that God's desire is to save people. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Jonah goes the opposite direction, but then he finds his way back. So we ask the question, here's the question, as we draw things to a close this morning. So, Jonah, why Jonah now? We've never had a pandemic before. We've never had the restrictions that we have to deal with at this moment in time. And even though we are looking forward to the point where everything's, everything's going to be going back to normal, the truth of the matter is we shouldn't go back to normal. Because if we look at what normal was, it wasn't that great. You see, the call on Jonah was to go and share the good news. That's what the call was. And he is distracted and heads in another direction. I'm believing that the church of Jesus Christ has gone in a different direction. And here we have a situation where everything's got to stop. There's nothing like being stuck in the stomach of a fish to make you rethink what you're doing. There's nothing like a global pandemic for us to come to that point of saying, Do you know, maybe, maybe God is allowing us to refocus who we are, what we're about, and how we're going to reach the world for his honor and his glory. So I ask you, will you pray? Pray for the leadership of the church as we meet. We're meeting again on Thursday. We're starting to discuss again, what is God calling us to be? We're not going to be what we were because the reality is what we were wasn't that great. The reality is we are placed in the center of a community of people who need to know Jesus. Is God giving us a chance to reach those people in a different way, a more dynamic way than we've ever had before? And if he is giving us that opportunity, then there's some stuff that's going to have to change. Would you pray for us? Pray for the leadership team. And then when we come together as a, as a church meeting and we lay before you some of the things that God is saying, you're going to say, yep, that resonates with me because as I was praying, that's exactly what God has said to me. We'll continue this story. I'll unpack some more as we continue through the next three chapters of Jonah. But the call for you at this moment in time is, would you be a praying people that we may discern God's leading and guiding of how he wants us to be his people right here, right now, for his honor and his glory. Amen.